0: Hello, I'm Michael Novograddick, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, September 26, 2017. In our podcast and Novograddick blog over the past few weeks, we've provided a lot of information on disaster relief initiatives to help people affected by the series of recent hurricanes. We've also discussed proposals to use tax credits as a way to incentivize redevelopment and recovery in those areas. We've seen this strategy work several times over the years. Tax credits have helped the Gulf Coast recover from Hurricanes Katrina, Rita, and Wilma back in 2005, and tax credits have also helped with housing recovery after the mortgage crisis in 2008. This week actually marks a milestone of another disaster recovery plan. Nine years ago this week, the Senate approved a bill to provide disaster relief measures and tax extenders to midwestern states hit by floods and areas of texas and louisiana affected by hurricane ike the bill ultimately became part of hr 1424 which was approved by the house and signed on october 3rd by president george w bush the provisions included an additional eight dollars per capita for long income housing tax credits for 2008 2009 and 2010 plus there was a three percent boost in the 10% and 20% historic tax credit. I'll talk more about recently announced disaster relief for those affected by Hurricane Irma later in the podcast. Now, let's turn to this week's tax credit news. This is a big week on the tax reform front. In our general section, I'll have an update as to what to expect on tax reform this week. This is likely the biggest week for tax reform since... Chairman Dave Camp of the Ways and Means Committee released his discussion draft over three and a half years ago. Yes, it's been that long, three and a half years ago. Now, I also have updates on a Senate Finance Committee hearing and a Ways and Means Committee tax reform retreat. And then I'll have information to highlight regarding the latest disaster relief announcements from both the IRS and HUD. In our affordable housing section, I'll discuss HUD Secretary Ben Carson's recent op-ed on policy reforms that he plans to make. Then, I'll highlight a few proposed regulations for California's low-income housing tax credit program. And in New Markets Tax Credit News, I'll briefly discuss how you can submit comments on the City of Five Fund's reporting system known as CIS. And I'll close with a troubling state of tax credit development in Wisconsin and why developers there have about 10 months to prepare for a significant program change. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, the Big Six of tax reform plan to release their tax reform principles this week. The process continues tomorrow when the House GOP has a caucus meeting. It starts tomorrow at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. And then later in the day, President Trump is giving a speech about tax reform. We expect that speech to be the beginning of the public unveiling of the details. As such, we expect to have a full podcast for you next week with tax reform details. We'll discuss the implications of what we learn over the next few days. However, in the interim, please follow me on Twitter and periodically check our blog site because we'll be posting details as we learn them. Now officially, details of the coming plan have not been released but we are hearing lots of chatter from lots of sources. Sources both public and private. Sources on the record and off the record. For instance, political reports that the White House is backing away from its target of lowering the corporate tax rate to 15%. Instead, political sources say the plan will likely have a 20% corporate rate. Now we're also hearing that asset expensing would be allowed for the first five years and then sunset. Further, we're hearing that a plan could include a dividends paid deduction for a portion of dividends paid, and there could be some limitation on the deductibility of business interest expense. Now, we're hearing lots of speculation and assertions as to what else might be included. That said, don't be surprised if this week's tax reform plan is thin on specifics. They they aren't even really calling it a plan. They're calling it more principles. Now, the recent history regarding tax reform announcements has been less than overwhelming as to specifics. And bear in mind, whatever we hear regarding these details, that Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch, a member of the Big Six himself, did say that the principles to be released will be guideposts for his committee. I guess I should probably emphasize that by saying mere guideposts for his committee. And House Ways Means Committee Chairman Kevin Brady said that the new document likely will not include many details. As I mentioned, in either case, I'll share whatever information is released in next week's podcast and on Twitter and our blog before then. Continuing on with the topic of tax reform, the Senate Finance Committee last week held a hearing on business tax reform. Most of the discussion centered on how corporate income versus pass-through income should be taxed. The emphasis really is one of corporate taxation of business income versus individual taxation of business income, with pass-throughs being the vehicle that passes business income through to individuals and corporations. In his opening statement, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch advocated for a corporate integration system that removes the double taxation of corporate earnings via a dividends paid deduction. Supporters of corporate integration say it's a way to reduce the effective corporate tax rate and create parity between the effective tax rate on corporate income and partnership income that's allocated to individuals. Now a simple example is that business income is taxed at a top rate to individuals at 39.6 percent. Now of course that's before considering phase-outs of deductions and other taxes and comparatively the top rate for corporations is 35 percent, but Then again, an additional 20% for dividends paid at the individual level for an effective rate of 48%. Once again, that's before taking into account deduction phase-out and other taxes, namely the net investment income tax of 3.8%. But staying with my simple example, corporate profits are taxed at a rate of 48% and individuals at a rate of 39.6%. Okay, enough said there. Once again, it's a gross simplification, but you get my point. Let's get back to the details at the hearing. Ranking member Ron Wyden at the hearing warned against making any changes to the tax code that would allow the abuse of pass-through status. And one of the hearing's expert witnesses made a similar argument. Donald Marin of the Urban Institute and Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center argued against favoring pass-through business income in tax reform. He said that taxing pass-through income from businesses at the corporate rate would actually favor pass-through entities over corporations. And that's because of the two-layer of tax corporate shareholders pay as opposed to individuals who own pass-through and get income allocated through pass-throughs. Marin said that tax parity requires taxing pass-through businesses at a higher rate than corporations through either adding a new tax on pass-through distributions or eliminating shareholder taxes. Now taking a different viewpoint, was the witness Troy Lewis of the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. Lewis argued that if Congress lowers the income tax rate for C-Corporations, then all types of business entities should receive a rate reduction. He said that tax reform should not disadvantage pass-through entities, such as partnerships, S-Corporations, limited liability companies, taxes partnerships, and sole proprietorships. Now not all of the discussion was about how to tax different structures. During the question-and-answer period, Senator Maria Cantwell brought the discussion towards how the tax code can be changed to address the affordable housing crisis. Many of you know Senator Cantwell is a staunch advocate of affordable housing. To that end, she and Chairman Hatch reintroduced a bill earlier this year to improve and expand the low-income housing tax credit. At the hearing, Senator Cantwell once again suggested expanding the low-income housing tax credit as part of tax reform to increase investment in affordable housing. I want to thank Senator Cantwell for making sure that incentives like the localizing Tax Credit stay a priority in tax reform discussions. In other tax reform news, the House Ways and Means Committee held a retreat on tax reform yesterday. This retreat gave the Ways and Means Committee members a chance to weigh in on the Big Six tax reform framework before they turned the framework into a tax reform bill. And. As we said before, Republican leaders are hoping to move a bill through the House and the Senate and get it to the President to sign before the end of this year. Stay tuned. It could be a wild ride over the next few months. Let's turn now to disaster relief news. HUD and the IRS last week announced assistance for those affected by Hurricane Irma. Affected taxpayers in Georgia will have until January 31, 2018 to file certain individual and business tax returns and to make certain business tax payments. The assistance is similar to that offered to those affected by IRMA in Florida, parts of Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, as well as to those affected by Harvey in Texas. HUD similarly announced it would provide the following to those affected by Hurricane IRMA in Georgia and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Immediate foreclosure relief, mortgage insurance, reallocation of existing federal resources towards disaster relief, and Section 108, Loan Guarantee Assistance. Now, we've posted details on what long-term tax credit property owners and managers need to know about disaster relief on our Notes from Novogratic blog. I should also mention that House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Kevin Brady yesterday introduced legislation that would provide temporary relief for taxpayers affected by Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria. Now, there were no disaster Tax credit provisions included in the bill, but the Senate is actively considering doing so. The Advisory Council on Historic Preservation, or ACHP, is also at work trying to provide disaster relief. ACHP announced last week that it's working with several partners to coordinate disaster recovery efforts for historic properties affected by Harvey and Irma. The Advisory Council also said it's working to encourage congressional action on supplemental funding and tax credits for storm damaged properties. I'll keep you updated on these efforts in future podcasts. In affordable housing news, I want to share with you a few points from HUD Secretary Ben Carson's op-ed in the periodical The Hill last week. Secretary Carson said that his team has outlined a plan to improve HUD by what he calls the three R's. Reimagine the way HUD works, restore the American dream, and rethink American communities, Reimagine, Restore, and Rethink. He said the plan would help combine redundant grant programs and streamline how HUD helps its beneficiaries. Carson, though, made no mention as to which grant programs would be affected. He also said his team is taking a hard look at how HUD provides rental assistance. Carson said rental assistance needs to be sustainable, reliable, and provide incentives work and stable family formation. He said the aim of every anti-poverty program should be to help beneficiaries become self-sufficient. Carson said, and I quote, this doesn't mean taking assistance away from those who need HUD. It means doing our job so well that fewer and fewer people require our assistance, close quote. Carson did advocate for expanding community investment through public and private partnerships. It's worth noting, he has expressed support for the long income Tax Credit in the past. We'll keep you updated on Carson's plans for new policies and reforms that he said will be rolled out in the coming months and years. In other affordable housing news, I have an update out of California. The California Tax Credit Allocation Committee, or TCAC, will hold public hearings next month to discuss its proposed amendments to its low income Housing Tax Credit regulations. Four hearings are scheduled between October 10th and the 17th. Now, because the recommended amendments are rather extensive, I'd like to briefly mention a few of the more noteworthy provisions. For example, one of the proposed changes creates a bonus to the total tiebreaker score for new construction of large multifamily developments located in areas that are designated as highest resource or high resource. In order to determine area's resource level, the proposed changes reference a newly created series of maps that are distinct from the UC Davis Regional Opportunity Index cited in last year's proposals. Another opportunity-based proposal is the establishment of a 30% housing-type goal for large family new construction developments located in very low resource areas. TCAC has indicated that between 2003 and 2015, 35% of total 9% federal and state tax credits were awarded to large family new construction developments in the lowest resource areas. The 30% housing type goal would result in a decrease from this recent historical average. In addition, TCAC proposed to alter the existing threshold basis limit increase for developments in high opportunity areas. The final amendment that I wanted to discuss increases the maximum 9% federal tax credit award for developments with more than 100 low-income units. Under this amendment, these awards will increase from 2 to $3 million. TCAC indicated the policy objective behind this proposed change is to encourage larger developments to achieve cost savings through economies of scale. The maximum award rule is one of the major barriers to larger developments as they often require larger subsidy. Those interested in providing comments may do so at the public hearings, or you can submit written comments to TCAC by 5 p.m. on October 30th. Proposed amendments will be considered by TCAC at a meeting to be held once the hearings have concluded. Now, the target date for regulation change adoption is December 13th. If you want to learn more about the proposed amendments and how they can affect your developments and investments, please contact my partner, Kevin Wilson, in our Walnut Creek, California office. In New Markets Tax rate news, the CDFI Fund has invited comments on the new version of the CIS data collection and reporting system. Now CIS stands for Community Investment Impact System. CDFIs and CDEs use this system to submit required institution-level and transaction-level reports to the CDFI Fund. The deadline for comments is October 23rd. In historic tax threat news, I have a troubling update to report from Wisconsin. Governor Scott Walker used his line item veto authority to lower the cap on how much can be claimed through the state historic tax credit program for a single parcel of land. The veto was made to the state's 2017 to 2019 budget bill. That bill was enacted into law last week. The parcel cap was lowered from $5 million to $500,000. $5 million to $500,000. There was previously no project cap in place. In his veto message, Governor Walker said the $500,000 cap leaves unchanged the incentives for many of the projects in smaller communities across Wisconsin, while reducing the state's fiscal exposure on larger projects. Governor Walker said that the roughly half of other state historical programs have per-project caps, and a third of those states have per-project caps at or below $500,000. Now, this cap becomes effective July 1st, 2018. So, for those of you who work with the Wisconsin State of Store Tax Credit, please plan accordingly. Now, if you'd like assistance with your historic population developments or investments in Wisconsin and to consider the effect of this limit on your development, please contact my partner, Tom Bosha in our Cleveland, Ohio office. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I do hope that you'll tune in next week when I will hopefully have more details as to what the Big Six plan for tax reform and what we can expect in the House and the Senate in the coming few months on that front. In the meantime, I'm looking forward to seeing many of you this week in Denver at our Novograd 2017 Historic Tax Credit Conference. We have over 350 folks in attendance, and I'll be moderating the Washington Wire panel with Merrill Hoopengardner of the National Trust, and Patrick Robertson of FTI Consulting. We're going to talk about what's ahead for the historic tax credit in light of tax reform, or at least possibility of tax reform. And if you haven't registered yet, you can still do so. Go to www.novaco.com events. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik & Company LLP. Archived discussions are available online at wwwnovacodecom forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogradic & Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novico.com.